2: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
0: The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed.
4: From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast. Feed, which means, God I hope, I'm Ken (laughs) And it means,
3: unless I'm having some sort of Kafka-esque event like Ken, I think I'm Joseph Scrimshaw? Yeah, yeah, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw.
4: You are Joseph Scrimshaw, and maybe a fever dream some other time will make us think we're uh, some other podcasters. It's been a fun... Weekend, uh, busy life. Weekend, uh, Joseph and I love coming to Force Center as uh, not just fun to hang out and talk to our Force Center friends, but just to crawl into that Force Center Star Wars bubble. And it's it's healing, Joseph. It's healing. <laughs> it is. It's like a little Bakhta tank of talk. <laughs> Man, you just dis- you just. That's a tagline that now I'm going to, it's like a little, I'm writing as I'm back to tank of talk, uh, that's see, that's the center of the galaxy was a thing. I said, one of the first episodes and I thought, well, I'll replace that later. Um, And then, like a good band name, Deep Blue Something, it just sticks around. It uh, just that,
3: sticks. Yeah. And it's, we should, we should consider the implication by claiming that we're a core world. Maybe we should be broadcasting from the outer rims, you know? Who
4: knows? Yeah. I want to be one with the galaxy, all of the galaxy, not, not from, uh, you know, the center with some snooty, uh, you know, coastal uh, elite <laughs> course. vibe, you know? Oh, uh, a lot of fun. It's a fun start to the show today. It's going to be great. We got some great questions, including one uh, I kind of knew was coming. Uh, uh, and I'm glad, uh, I, I was organically, I was going to actually give you a, a, like, Hey, this one's coming, Joseph. And i f-. Forgot because you and I are very busy. And then you picked it because the force willed it. And it's <laughs> a great question from our pal Garrett coming the way. We got news. We got a lot to dive into. Before we dive into all that, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your uh, I- iPhone, Android, Kindle, or mp three a little bit later. As always, we'll have our Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us, and then the deals keep on rolling.
3: That's right. Always two or more deals there are, Uh, but right now we got two. This one is from Insight Editions. They're a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books, too. They are offering 35% off across their website with a special Force Center code. To get your discount, you can enter the coupon code FC35, or you can visit the website with this link, InsideEditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we are once again recommending the Inside Editions book, Secrets of the Jedi. This is one of my personal favorites. It's got uh, a bunch of just kind of fun rundown of stuff about uh, Jedi history, all the different Jedi of the era, weapons. It's got some secret, like, little codes where you can get out the Orabesh, and then you can uh, decode things. Uh, And we wanted to highlight this because the Secrets of the Sith is coming out soon. So familiarize yourself with the Jedi so you can learn to know the Sith. Anyway, if you're interested, check it out with the code FC35. Uh,
4: I love this. I love this book. I have this book, too. And, and you know, the little Arbesh decoder, if you will. Mm-hmm. Because this book didn't exist when we were young, I think I pull it out every now and then just to kind of relive uh, the summer of 83. <laughs> I would love that back then. Yes. Yeah. That's what I love about it so much of it's, you know, it's written from the perspective
3: of Luke of like, let me get down some uh, some thoughts uh, after Ray has left October before I've projected to crate. Yeah. <laughs> so it's this real specific, interesting sort of, you know, it's like canon, but interesting to be in that headspace. Uh, so it's got a lot to offer as, you know, an adult fan. But then it is just like, man, it's so perfect for kids to have that imagination
4: of I'm going to decode the secrets of the Jedi. Love it much, much to de, decode, and uh, you can pick that up from Inside Editions. Again, use that code FC thirty five Star Wars and life or life adventures. Like I said, uh, uh like a lot of folks out there with the, with with the, the the world returning, reopening, or normal, whatever you want to use. Just means I have to go outside a little bit more, which is somewhat uh, been turned out more of a struggle for me, Joseph, than than I would have thought. Uh, I like my house. I like staying inside. Um. <laughs> a lot of things going on we're busy uh and 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 all those things but uh, star wars seems to always find its way into our lives joseph uh, any life of star wars adventures to share today
3: yeah no definitely uh it is fun how that star wars is just kind of everywhere both inside and outside uh i had a i had a nice weekend for the most part uh, my wife was uh, busy working so i rewatched a a david lynch film that i haven't seen in a long time uh blue velvet and uh it was reminded that, oh, yeah, this was edited by Dwayne Dunham, who is also an editor on Star Wars. Uh, nice. So even when I don't watch Star Wars, I'm kind of watching Star Wars. Uh, and then on Sunday, got out in the world, uh, went to the new location of Amoeba Records, which is this. Uh, mm. uh, it's based basically just like a, a cathedral to uh, pop culture and physical media. They have records, uh, CDs, books, posters. They even have a little uh, section of toys. And mm. uh, they've got this new location in Hollywood. Uh, and they had a an old Secrets of the Empire Dash Rendar action figure.
1: <laughs> Whoa! <laughs>
3: Which yeah. I just haven't I haven't just picked up and looked at in a long time because I haven't yeah. physically encountered Dash Rendar for quite a while. And wow! Uh, all all due respect to to Dash Rendar fans out there, uh, <laughs> but it is really funny to me how nineties he is. Of yeah. you know, it, it is the style of all those early Power of the Force where they're you know m- much more buff, even Luke. Uh, yeah. But he's. He's buff and he's got big blasters. And uh, (laughs) I forgot that his uh, his, the placement of his belt makes it look like he's wearing an old medieval cod piece. (laughs)
4: That's right. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's the best. I love you, Dash. I love you, Dash. So it's great.
3: uh, Yeah. Just great to see Dash in the wild. Uh, And then, yeah, the other uh, kind of Star Wars adventure Uh, that I wanted to share was a a small one uh, but one that does kind of impact my day-to-day which is I finally put up a Star Wars poster right above my uh, computer right Mm. above my desk so it's above me uh, looking down on me as we record and I sometimes have analysis paralysis about what to hang on my walls so like for me this is like hey it's right above my desk and I look at it all the time so this is a big decision Uh, but it is one of my very favorite posters it is the 1978 re-release of Star Wars. Uh, it is by Charles White the Third, and uh, the first one that Drew Struzan did anything on, because uh, Charles White invited mm-hmm. him through to help him with some of the uh, the faces to make them actually look like uh, the characters. Uh, and it's just it's the one that is uh, it's called sometimes called the circus poster because it's the one that is a cool poster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it's got that meta level that it looks like a poster that is on a wall. And that it's kind of been torn away a little bit. Uh, and right. I just love this one. It's uh, it's in that school of early uh, Star Wars posters where some of the elements are like, yep, that's exactly it. That's exactly what Luke and Leia, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher look like. Uh, but then like Darth Vader has a collar on his cape <laughs> <laughs> because so it's like, it's got some of that like early, some of it's entirely accurate, accurate and some of it's kind of wild, but I just love already in 1978 there is that aesthetic of nostalgia that yeah. it's always been a part of it of, you know, one year later, we're looking back <laughs> at this, uh, at this movie yeah. and its impact on the real world with this cool design of the
4: poster on mm. a wall. Love it. Great choice. Yeah. Uh, you have to, if, if you haven't already, I'm sure you're going to post a nice picture, right? With maybe a cocktail in front of it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I will, I will try to post a <laughs> cocktail picture with I my think-
3: poster, but.
4: Toasting the nostalgia in Star Wars.
3: Yeah. I absolutely love this one. So those are just a few of my Star Wars adventures. Star Wars finds its way to me always. How about you?
4: Well, first of all, I am I got to one of the things now that you know it's it's a little easier to move about the cabin, I I gotta get to the new amoeba records because the the old location was a, a just a regular destination for me, especially when it opened in mid-2000s. I mean, I, I really do think one of the reasons I, I, I have debt I'm still struggling to pay off is I wasn't saving up the money in my 20s when instead I was going to Amoeba Records and buying a $100 worth of CDs every week. You know, <laughs> like, Yeah. I used to do a thing where it's like I wouldn't have a basket. I just would hold the CDs and those little, little plastic um cases that they're in with the handles and i just would hold them until i couldn't anymore and that's when i knew it was time to go
3: <laughs> and, i like the no basket approach that's wise
4: because if i you know that'd be four hundred dollars if it's in the basket uh so i've been missing uh just i think i can take my old uh, swing through the nostalgia uh there and then i i, I put this tweet out uh, as part of my life adventures a lot going on but i spent two days Two actual 24-hour periods of time trying to remember a little-known radio single from 1995. And a lot of folks know that's when I was a, I was a rock DJ from about 94 to 98. And I couldn't remember. It was from John Doe, who, of course, was one of the founding members of the band X, along with Xe and Cervenka, who uh, he was married to at the time. She went on to marry uh, for a little bit. Viggo Mortensen there, some pop culture. Mm. Um, but I couldn't. He went, went solo, and he had a band, a project called the John Doe thing. And he had a 1995 album, and I couldn't remember the single, and I remember loving it, and I spent two days, and it's not on Spotify, not on Apple Music. Like, you can type in John Doe or the John Doe thing, and that year, 95, would not was not in the discography. Like mm. you, I was, so it was like this lost album, and I finally remembered it from an album called Kissing So Hard. The single was called Fallen Tears, and when I hit, when, when I finally found, Joseph, the, the sigh of relief. You could be heard <laughs> three counties. I was like, finally. And I tweeted about it and it's a it's a very narrow focused, small demographic tweet. And I love when Pete, the retailer from Star Wars Minute, he'll like some of those very narrow focused pop culture tweets from me (laughs) because I know he's we're all in that same era. And he's like, oh, probably like, yo, yeah, John Doe thing. Great. (laughs) Great. Thanks for the reminder. So that was part of my weekend.
3: That's a great fun adventure, uh, man. I know that feeling, and it, it can be kind of rare these days, right? When there is a fact that is not easily Googleable, yeah, and ah. it connects you back to that that uh, sense of like I am sitting here in my home, but I'm also kind of being Indiana Jones, <laughs> 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 trying to uncover an old an old truth.
4: Good good weekend to be Indiana Jones. 40th anniversary of Raiders and uh, the James Mangold wars on Twitter. Uh, yeah, and it's because I because I. I say like a, the John Doe thing was the name of the band or the project. Um, but I couldn't remember that. So I kept typing the John Doe experience. No, the John Doe trial, the John Doe <laughs> and nothing was coming up and it was And then I couldn't remember the album name. I couldn't. And I was 1995 radio single. You try to do the long paragraph, Google search, nothing was coming up. And then finally, finally some YouTube channel had something up and I got it. And there you go. <sighs> It's, uh, it's, uh, very much, I feel like I was searching for a wayfinder to actually. <laughs> well,
3: I'm glad you got to experience that, uh, sigh of relief. That is, uh, uh yet another close to star Wars adventure I had this weekend. I lost some, some writing time on Saturday in the afternoon. Cause like, I'm going to sit down and write. And then I just out of the blue, cause everybody's talking about, uh, the great anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark. I was like, Hey, can I stream young Indiana Jones anywhere? And then I went down a whole rabbit hole of the whole history of that show Anyway, we, we can talk more about that some other time, but uh, yet look, another related yeah. to Star Wars adventure.
4: I, I would love to do maybe a, f- a Force-centered Jones look at Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, <laughs> because uh, I loved that series. And it's a series that gave us Rick McCallum working with George Lucas, so come on.
3: That's right. I mean, just watch that and think of how much swearing went on behind the scenes to produce <laughs> a great educational
4: show. Sean f- Patrick Planner's on the phone call. Boop, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's that. So the only other Star Wars venture I really had, uh, I, uh, you know, I do the, the Lego brick building on my Twitch channel, my YouTube channel, uh, roughly every Sunday afternoon, just build a Star Wars Lego set. I wouldn't got, I even kind of thought of you, cause this is one of the ones that, um, I think, I think it tickles your kind of Star Wars, uh, funny bone. I, I love the micro fighters, which are the little Lego sets, usually about a hundred pieces and it's a millennium Falcon and Han sits on the top of it. Right. Like <laughs> so I got one. It is the AT-AT versus Tauntaun microfighter set. So you got Hoth Luke on a Tauntaun with saber and blaster firing at a walker with a AT-AT driver sitting on the top of it. Um, and just what a fantasy booking of just, could you imagine, I know maybe in Battlefront 2 you can act this out in some way, but do you imagine Luke on a Tauntaun going head on with a walker? Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah, I think you can actually do it in Battlefront 2, and it's not going to go well for you at all.
4: <laughs> it's not going to work out. <laughs> uh, I just, so, yeah, it's it's almost like uh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, like uh, when the the Oliphants show up or whatever, you know, and you got to reform the line and charge against the walkers on your tauntaun. Oh, that's great. So, that is much. great. Some Star Wars silliness. That is uh, what's going on in our live Star Wars Adventures, Life Adventures. We love just uh, sharing our Star Wars lives with all of you, and we're going to dive into the news. And we have a we have a lot a lot of news to get to, Joseph, uh, and it's all over the map. And it, it dives some of it dives into areas where you and I don't often go, don't like to go, and so we actually are going down some of the paths, and then we're stopping. <laughs> we're stopping <laughs> at the gift shop. We're not going in, uh, and we'll talk about that as it comes up here. But a lot of fun stuff. At the end of the day, we we are just excited. For the the Kenobi show, we're really excited for Andor, and a lot of little tidbits are popping out uh, based on interviews and uh, some for our photos, which we won't really talk about. We'll get to all that as we get going here, but Joseph, I want to dive into this. A uh, big one here. We knew this was coming. Uh, the the Ewan and Pedro chat. Uh, uh, Ewan McGregor and Pedro Pascal uh, were on the Variety, the Emmy-winning Variety uh, U- uh, internet uh, digital series, uh, Actors on Actors, and and the tidbits came flowing on out of this <laughs> line. So, let's dive into tidbit by tidbit here. Uh, First one I I, I went with here is uh, Pedro Pascal revealed that they have not underlined not shot Mando season three. Now, Pedro is about to start The Last of Us us, uh, for HBO, the adaptation of the video game series scheduled to shoot according to reports from july 2021 to july 2022 i'm sure i'll have an to offer too um and that uh, we know that to also combining all of these little tidbits in one thing book of Bo- boba fett we know is wrapping up uh, reports of uh, insiders calling book of boba fett mando 2.5 so while none of this is surprising joseph let's talk about what this might mean for the series story-wise with mando 3 and definitely now, coming a little later, uh, what it would mean for Pedro, maybe once again not being on set as much. I'm not saying that's the case at all. <laughs> I'm saying let's just talk about what this might mean here.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's some really interesting stuff about what that might mean for Boba Fett, the book of Boba Fett being Mando 2.5. Right. And, you know, a little bit of delay on Mando Season 3 is not a huge surprise to me because it really does feel like it is heading into this completely different story arc, Right. Um, if it was like, you know, the season of, of Mandalorian season two was, Hey, Grogu or, or didn't found Mm. Grogu a Jedi. And then the Jedi was like, great. And now go get him a lightsaber. Like, (laughs) well, that's going to be season three. Like it's such a, that part of the, of the chapter, Mm. that part of the story is done now and what's coming next. Um, that, uh. As much as I want Mando season three right now, I I would understand if it's a a little delayed Uh, for Book of Boba Fett. um, I think what I'm excited about with this show is for, you know, Boba Fett to wrestle a little bit with what it means to be a a bounty hunter or criminal kingpin, maybe, Mm. and also a Mandalorian. We kind of got the answer of how he felt about being a clone, which is he doesn't doesn't seem to like that. (laughs) He doesn't seem to like being called a clone. You know, he might acknowledge that truth, but he doesn't seem to like being lumped in as another clone. Uh, That seemed to offend him a great bit. But what I'm curious about with the Mando season 2.5 is two things. One, you know, is anything about Boba Fett going to have been changed because of his interaction with uh, Din Djarin in The Other Mandalorians? Like... Um, how does Boba Fett's sense of honor match or conflict with Din's? And how does he feel now about the state of Mandalore? Is it, you know, does he care at all about what the state of Mandalore is? Um, so yeah. there's that element of moving it forward. Uh and then there's also just like based on what Boba Fett wants, how yeah. much is that gonna tell us about the state of the galaxy? And is that the way in which it's Mando 2.5, right? Because Mm -hmm. Boba Fett could want to, you know, just dominate and prove himself of I'm back and I'm powerful, right? Or he could just want to get by or he could want vengeance Mm -hmm. (laughs) on Mm -hmm. the new Republic or some other criminal organization. Um, So I think depending on what he wants, we might just see different pieces of the galaxy fall into place, like the state of the criminal underworld. And uh, are they thriving or are they being quashed by the new Republic? Uh, What's going on with the quest to take back Mandalore? Is Boba Fett getting caught up in all that?
4: That's that's some of the places my mind goes. You know, these are great places to go. I'll follow you down these uh, paths into the uh, antechambers of Jabba's palace here. There's the themes, the wants and desires. And one of the things, and I, and I remember you, as, as always said it so uh, just kind of wonderfully to the point of uh, of, of his return in, in, in Mandalorian season two, like his uh, his actual big episode, his return, fighting up there uh, with stormtroopers in Simi Valley, California. Um, <laughs> I loved how you phrased it of just kind of, you know, a couple... Dare I say a commitment or recommitment to the violence of Boba Fett <laughs> in him, who he is? Uh, I'm saying it a little less uh, eloquently than you said it, but so we had the, we had these big questions of Boba Fett. A lot of them you're asking: these identities, clones, Mandalore, What do you think? And all those things are still playing. All those things are things he has opinions on, but he also is still who he is, and still and 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 even that ending, going from kind of being, dare I say, a softie. Yeah, I'll help you, Din. I have a code of honor to uh, Boba Fett. Get out of my chair. You're dead now. Uh, it, it it oh just, yeah 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 it paints this picture for me of, of what might be going where yeah I don't I don't think we're getting uh, the book of Boba Fett uh, AKA the softer side you know <laughs> and and putting it up against the the bigger stories that are at play with what you're talking about at Mando season three this is why the idea the idea of just saying it's Mando two point five could just be a generic yeah it's just a little placeholder between season three or two. Or it could be does it does that mean it ties into some of those bigger things the Mandalore thing Boba Fett having opinions about about that maybe his opinion is don't care because I, I want to be this and I am intrigued by that and and maybe even want it to be that's more the reason for the pause beyond know, just maybe Pedro has to shoot something or this popped up you know and there and there's probably some logistical reasons as well I don't know if any of that makes sense but I'm just I'm just two point five I want that to have some meaning
3: yeah and, and I think. There's no way it couldn't the more we talk about it, right? Because mm-hmm. you are it's going to invite compare and contrast because Boba Fett in Mandalorian season two, he does have a code of honor, but yeah. he also has rage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is some of the, Din doesn't seem to have like rage, but he has, you know, like determination of all droids are bad, kill them all, yeah. <laughs> you know, and he, he grew from that, you know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you just follow the Bounty Hunter Guild's guides, you go through that, you know, he, he went through these these moments of growth and to see if Boba Fett's going to go through the same kind of growth, mm-hmm. there's, there's just a natural desire to kind of compare and contrast their wrestling with yeah. some of the same things when it comes to uh, how do you get by with a coat of honor while, while also absolutely being a person of violence.
4: Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, again, he didn't he didn't emerge from the Sarlacc pit and and, and be, like, hey, you know, I have a different way of thinking of things. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> almost like reaffirmed.
3: This break was good for me. It doesn't seem that way. No. And we, and we got another uh, thing we're going to talk about later. Yes. So I'll, I'll stop yep. myself from going off on on Sarlacc thoughts. But yeah, I mean, he's, what is his code of honor? That's a question that we really ask about Den. It's a question I think we're going to really ask about Boba Fett in this, and it's the exact same timeline, and they know a lot of the same people. <laughs> yeah, so that
4: makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. The Book of Boba Fett. It's a series of thoughtful poems I wrote while uh, digesting <laughs> in the Sarlacc pit and getting out. Uh, not quite. Uh, as far and as far as the Mando itself, uh, we've talked about this before, but to have this kind of come up again and be in the conversation, and now. To me, the reveal of Pedro himself saying, no, 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 we haven't shot it just kind of does elevate it back to the top of the conversation uh, charts, so to speak. I'm intrigued by it. I I don't want the show to lose momentum. Uh, I I think that's possible for some shows. If you take a little extended break for whatever the reason, you could lose some momentum. But it's the it's the perfect time in a way that that I've heard people say and we've touched on too, like season two, Amanda, if that was it. I'm not saying I want that to be it, but it would be a complete story. Your headcanon can fill in the rest. The Mandalorian yeah. stuff hang, hangs over it. The Darksaber stuff hangs over it. I get that. But the story of Din and Grogu wraps up for me emotionally.
3: Yeah, I mean, if it was a different story with the Darksaber, I think I'd be like, I'm pretty satisfied, you know, that Din will find his, his way if, uh, you know, if Bo-Katan had been like, you're right. I don't need to get it back by fighting. Thanks, thanks for my dark saber. Then it'd be like, okay, cool. Maybe we'll get the story someday of them taking right. back Mandalore. It's the dark saber that makes it not complete.
4: Yeah, co- correct. And 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 so that's why it's a great time for me because when we reemerge, you know, who knows the passage of time that they might be playing with as uh, five years, is it a year, two year, whatever. Uh, I think we'll get some of that stuff resolved or we'll be on the path to resolving that stuff, but it's just a good, it's a good time to kind of change the tone and Then we can check in with Grogu and you can have his, uh, you know, adolescent teenager mustache while he's training with Luke or something like that. Maybe, maybe figure out a way to do that. Uh, I don't even know if I need that, but, 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 but now you can, and I think having a little time off, it allows you to expand the story, change the story and go off in a different direction. We've touched on some of this before, but again, the fact that we know that this is probably not the case, we're not getting this anytime soon. You know? Yep.
3: Yep. So, yeah, it sounds like it is not coming rolling immediately after uh, Book of Boba Fett, which I'm fine with because we've got Andor, we got Kenobi, and I can just look forward to kind of what is the new version of Mando now that he's got Darksaber and not Grogu.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And we're not done with the tidbits. You said, uh, Kenobi, the magic words. Ewan McGregor uh, in the interview pointed out uh, that how just how excited he was. And I will say, me, I don't know, light spoilers. If you didn't want to want any details, this might be the point to, to, to pause and, and come back later. We understand. Uh, but uh, and McGregor pointed out how excited he was to shoot with stormtroopers. Because he'd only previously worked with clones. In fact, he had to ask someone on the set, have I worked for Stormtroopers before? No, it's only clones, right? Yeah, okay, good. Uh, And then also uh, talked about uh, working with a, quote, little Jawa. Again, I wouldn't (laughs) call any of this surprising, particularly the Jawa being on Tatooine, all those kind of things. Unless it's an off-world Jawa, who knows? Joseph, what is uh, our reaction to this not surprising but fun revelation, including the joy of you?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think just uh, taking a quick step back, I watched uh, this uh, this whole thing, the whole interview, mm-hmm. not just the Star Wars tidbits. And obviously, uh, Newsflash, Elon McGregor and uh, Pedro Pascal are very charming. Uh, mm-hmm. But this was just a great, fun conversation. It was really fun uh, to see them wrestle with uh, what they could and couldn't say yes. and bond over how difficult it is to not uh, share spoilers uh, yeah. and for them to really kind of tiptoe. And also just like that kind of. They are they are performers doing a job. They're fans of Star Wars, but they aren't Star Wars podcasters. They aren't Star Wars <laughs> trivia hounds. Yeah. You know, and always seeing that, like I love that moment where you was like, oh, I saw a stormtrooper and it made me feel like I was six years old. And then it's like I did, I, did, I haven't been with stormtroopers before, have I? <laughs> and then right there were no there was no actual clone armor, right? That was all yeah. the clones in the movies are CGI, right? Yeah. So Yeah. So that's another thing that maybe he remembers, maybe he doesn't, because he is an actor and he did this years and years ago. That he probably never stood next to a person dressed in full clone armor.
4: Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, that's even an additional point. And and he does. And we're gonna talk a little bit about the green screen and blue screen of it all. But like, look, everyone was making fun of Gwyneth Paltrow. Well, everyone's been making fun of Gwyneth Paltrow for a lot of reasons for a few years. But the whole thing when she was like on Favreau's cooking show and was like, I was in that Spider Man movie, and he's like, Yeah. And we all made fun of her. just like something, I don't know. You're there shooting. There's a lot going on. <laughs> you don't go back and sit and watch attack the Clones, I love that you had to be like, I wasn't quite sure, but. I'm pretty excited. My heart's telling me the truth here.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, and to, to your question uh, about these specific revelations, I, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Encountering stormtroopers and uh, <laughs> and having a scene with a little Jawa, like he says, is uh, very mm-hmm. charming. Uh, it is not surprising. I don't consider it spoilers. It's, but it's thrilling because it just makes it so viscerally real. Right. That yeah. idea of. Uh, just imagining well what's the scene what's what's obi is is this a uh, obi-wan bartering with the jawa is this what's going on is he having a cocktail at a bar with the jawa what's going on yeah. um jawa totally predictable uh that there'd be a scene with the jawa the stormtroopers i think are even more thrilling to me yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah. because obviously stormtroopers can be on tatooine mm. uh but if it's not on tatooine You know, we've already got the confirmation that it's a rematch with Vader. That to me sounds like, yeah, Obi-Wan is most likely going to leave Tatooine. Yeah, But just even the way you phrased it of, you know, I had to walk by these stormtroopers. This idea of seeing Obi-Wan out in the galaxy, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe on a Star Destroyer or maybe just on a different planet. And there's some stormtroopers on the corner and he just needs to walk by.
4: Ah, that's so thrilling to me. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you want him to do a little bit of a sound trick again and uh, make it a madly. Well, I'm good with it being a callback to New Hope Uh, for me, at least. But yeah, no, I know what you mean. It, it, confirmation, at least or something. You yeah, know, this is one of the ones, I you know, from his mouth. even even in, in an interview, like you said, he's like, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but like, I think I can say this. This is not a surprise based on the era of the story. <laughs> Stormtrooper. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's a little excitement. So one, one of the reasons we want to cover it uh, today is just like it's We're so excited for the series, no secret. Our our hearts on our sleeves for the series, but um, yeah, just the little tiny moments to be able to just uh, twenty years ago, uh, technical phenomenon. I would never, never have imagined this. Yeah, Uh, right.
3: Here Here we. It is a dream come true, and it did make me think, uh, you know, yeah, they, they make a noise to make the stormtroopers look the other way, <laughs> sneak past yeah. them. Great, great, uh, that'd be fine. That's a good Obi-Wan technique. Maybe this is a sneaking scene. Uh, yeah. But then there's this a part of me is like, uh, I don't know if this would be too uh, on the nose or how fans would feel about it, but it suddenly occurred to me that we could actually see a scene where Obi-Wan does personally witness stormtroopers being shockingly precise to justify his line to Luke in a new hope of only Imperial stormtroopers are that precise.
4: (laughs) Ah, well, 43 years later, 42 years, (laughs) 44 years later, whatever it is, we finally get the line confirmed. That'd be great.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I'm mostly joking. That would probably be a little too on the nose, but who knows? Star Wars sometimes uh,
4: does that. Hey, it's sometimes it does. Uh, Going on, this is a this is a tidbit that I I wanted to pull out here. Uh, You and Pedro shared notes on working with uh, practical yodas, is what I'm calling it, because you know, again, we don't know really what to call that species, but working with practical yodas and grogu's. And Ian, uh, you wouldn't, excuse me, uh, not Ian McKellen, uh, you and McGregor was (laughs) once again. I'm. This is. These are my words. Once again, not a fan of of digitized yoda green screens and blue screens. He's He said this a lot, while not slagging the film, so to speak, the prequels I'm talking about, but just talking about what he lost and how he did work with a puppet early on, how amazing that was, and the story of, of everyone calls cut and Yoda dies slowly in front
3: of him. <laughs> all, yeah, it's all the puppeteers stop and Yoda just slumps over. Yeah. That is very visceral and, <laughs> and funny and disturbing.
4: And then Pedro, of course, talks about working with uh, the, little, uh, the little puppet with the green fuzz on its hair, and we all, uh, the world was a fan of Grogu and the world is a fan of, of what they were able to do. And, you know, with a different kind of technology, it's not Frank Oz and a, and a Muppet team behind it, which uh, is so impressive. And, and Last Jedi, we, we love uh, having Yoda back in that way. But I want to talk about it, just particularly as as prequel fans, Joseph, about how do we react to this kind of news or these films we love, but, you know, as, as groundbreaking as some of the technology was, some of it doesn't eh, hold up and maybe didn't even hold up then. Uh, let's talk Computer Yoda. And Ewan Ewan in this uh, uh, part of the conversation.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I always... Ewan McGregor has been shockingly consistent on this Mm -hmm. uh, over the years. And I think always he always talks about his personal experience, right? Yeah. He always says, it was harder for me as an actor when there was nothing but green and blue. It was harder for me when Yoda wasn't physically there and I had to imagine Yoda. And I think that's great that he's he's Mm -hmm. talking about it from his perspective and I, I think that's just kind of a healthy thing for us as fans to appreciate that. Yeah. An actor's perspective, making something mm. isn't necessarily a commentary on the quality of the thing, ultimately, or in particular of our responses. You know, yeah. uh, even if Ewan McGregor ha- has a, had a hard time mm. with all of the, the CGI, um, is a fan. I still think he did a great job despite his concerns. So yeah. that's what's important to me, um, that I yeah. enjoy his performance, even if he struggled to get there.
4: It's it's not unlike hearing all the stuff back at Last Jedi, Mark Hamill or even um, Boyega speaking on his experiences and, and how you can, in my mind, separate the two. Of like, let's listen to Boyega's experiences and thoughts and what he experienced in this film, and and maybe even thoughts he d- has about the role. Versus uh, what's also on the screen, like you say, is is still powerful to many and powerful to us. Yeah, it it it, it does have it, it's weird. I have a re- weird reaction to it in that way, where I'm just like, oh man, I don't know, I, I wish he had uh, more fun making the prequels or something. But and 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 he clearly he's he's coming back to star wars with great excitement both feet in and has been ready to do this for years so the excitement was there the men the memories are there um and i don't disagree with anything he's saying i i, I don't think you could have a puppet yoda fight dooku uh, <laughs> very different fight very different fight uh, and i totally i'm behind lucas on taking these big swings with technology that's what he that's probably why he came back was like, this is intriguing. I can tell a story like this. Let's do it. Um, but to, but to see also where we are and where we're at and, and the volume I've had, uh, I, you know, been on record. Sometimes it doesn't grab me look as good as I, I want it to be. But I also, I acknowledge that we are in, you know, year one of the volume and I know it's a couple of years now, but you see, you know, two seasons of Mando is what we got. It's only going to get better. I still want movies to be shot on location and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to Andor for being probably not on the volume at all or as much. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for you. And just to be like, I, it goes to the uh, Carl Weathers grief Carga and the, and the behind the scenes thing saying all actors. Now we are now looking at the same thing and we can react to the same thing instead of our own imaginations, which are even with concept art is always going to be different. That's why I th- I probably said Ian, Ian McKellen, just the, the, his kind of, famous uh, little uh, behind the scenes uh, breakdown that was captured on camera and, and, and shared with the world on on the hobbit of just him, him struggling a little more on the hobbit than with with, with the first lord of the ring pictures uh and just kind of talking to peter jackson just like man i'm you know i'm paraphrasing again but just like i'm having trouble getting there <laughs> it's a little tennis ball <laughs> it's a different thing so all that to say it's, it's behind the scenes thing but all that fuels into what's on the screen and i, I think you're right to say it and and uh glad you did, of just like, hey, we can still take enjoyment in it. It doesn't, um, doesn't hurt what you what you loved about those pictures. Yeah,
3: exactly. And, and I think, like, for myself, my long journey with uh, with the prequels, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes the, you even get into that discussion of, like, well, if people don't like them, it's obvi- off, often one of the first things they say is, like, so much CGI, and then somebody will counter with, there are actually more model shots in the fandoms, right? right. <laughs> and uh, a lot of it just kind of at the end of the day it's it's what's on screen that matters Mm -hmm. right what's the what's the story and for me the prequel stories have come to mean so much uh and i get so much uh, joy and depth from them that that's what i engage with right then at the same time my own experience as a a actor writer director i totally get where these actors are coming from right that uh you know they're there's so much that goes into performing and it really gets into uh like the real life version of uh crude matter versus luminous beings right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um y- you can absolutely imagine just what's there but you know you put on a costume and it does something to your body even if you're on a stage and you know there are humans watching you the way the set is designed affects you it gets into you in ways that we can't quite articulate it's luminous you know and i really do relate to like ewan is i always think ewan mcgregor is saying that like i i as an actor want that luminous experience where you can't even put it into words it just the fact that i can see that uh, yeah i'm on a cliff but it's a misty cliff and there's a little bit of sunlight breaking through and and i can just see that it affects me on levels that are like Art to me is like using the force. It is, it's luminous. It's more than, right. you know, yeah. this crude matter. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, uh, actors uh, can, can accomplish those things with better with the volume and with uh, puppet Yodas.
4: <laughs> yeah. And I, I love that Star Wars is once again and probably always and forever at the center of conversations around technological advancements in filmmaking. It's just kind of part of the tradition. It is. I love it. And all this to say, I I, I want to discuss it because uh, just it, it's it, all the things discussed, but just hearing you and kind of be like, ah, man, we are on blue screens. Uh, I, I just all of it feeds into the excitement for what's coming and you yes. and the excitement for what's coming. It means a lot to me as a Star Wars fan. Uh, moving on here a little bit more. Uh, check out the interview if you guys haven't already. Uh, anything else from the interview? Um you want to talk about oh, because I want you Ewan was very excited about working with Deborah Chow. That got me more excited. Pedro, I love him, just struggling to keep the secrets and how he admitted he's like, you don't tell me anything. I'll I'll say it. But I, I kept <laughs> Rogu because I knew it was important to.
3: Yeah. Oh, there are two fun, really fun details that mm-hmm. uh there was that moment where uh they're starting to talk about practical yodas Mm -hmm. and uh and ewan says uh baby yoda oh no that's not his name grogu and then pedro's like wow you know his name (laughs) it's just always a fun like uh, discussion of how many details do these actors know obviously they know the heart of their characters they know what they need to tell this story but that was just a fun moment where pedro's like damn you know his name (laughs) yeah it's yeah love that yeah uh and then the other one is uh, I, I liked when uh Eon mcgregor was talking about how devious and clever interviewers can be trying to get actors to spill secrets and in- uh, getting them to go down a road and then suddenly realize, oh, wait, no, I can't go down this road.
4: <laughs> yeah. Or then you just you interview Mad Mickelson and he'll just tell you anything you want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm G- this character, Jen Erso's father, I guess. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Uh, yeah. And again, uh, you and excited to work with Deborah Chow and just uh, uh, working with the same crew uh, from the Mando stuff because of where they're shooting and everything. Yeah, I love that stuff. All right. Absolutely. More, yeah. More on Book of Boba Fett. Going back to that, uh, Tamara Morrison was uh, uh, promoing uh, another project he's working on. And then I uh, was speaking with Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Joel Mears uh, who was uh, doing the interview. I've uh, had the chance to hang out with uh, Joel uh, at the Comedy Store patio a few times around Mark Ellis' shows. Great guy. And just really conducted a, a, a really good interview and even said, like, I got to ask you about this. And when Tamara's like, I'm not falling for it. I'm not, I'm not answering. OK, but let's talk about <laughs> what we do know, Mando. And he ended up uh, getting a couple things out of it here. Uh, we will go uh, back in time, so to speak. You know, uh, we'll dive into that here during this series, Book of Boba Fett, as the show explores what happened to Boba Fett at certain points on the timeline after Empire Strikes Back and up to the Mandalorian. So thoughts on that first, Joseph, about that revelation.
3: Yeah, so uh, I'm very happy that we're going back in time. I think that makes uh, a lot of sense. Uh, Here is my perhaps controversial thought, Ken. Uh oh. I think Tamara Morrison might have meant Return of the Jedi.
4: You know. Yes. No. Yeah. I'm po- I'm po- yes. So that was um, that's that's literally my follow up, right? is are there, we got this giant comic book event, crossover event that everyone's talking about. Uh, we're going to discuss that big reveal of that character uh, in a, a little bit here in Force Center, Going maybe a couple weeks there, give you all a chance to catch up to that comic. But I had that thought too of, uh-oh, like we're filling a lot of those gaps right now between <laughs> Empire and Jedi. So yeah, you, you could be, right. And then, yeah, then you can, the concerns about, you know, Tomorrow, you're not reading the comics. <laughs> We're going to see <laughs> yeah. a lot of those tweets or something like that come out. Yeah, and and I don't that's think tomorrow, Marson is going to care about that. No, yeah, uh, nor anyone writing book of Boba Fett. I really don't think. So I think you're right, from Jedi to Mando. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just think that. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Lucasfilm just, you
3: know. Uh, announced and is is the first episodes are out the that whole War of the Bounty Hunters and all of these comics are very much about that time period and it seems important to not Boba Fett is in them stuff that's important to Boba Fett is happening right a lot yeah a lot so so here's where I'm coming from is uh, like we were just talking about these are actors, they know the soul of the character, they know the importance, but they're not podcasters, they're not trivia experts. It's easy for me to imagine Tamora Morrison, an actor, doing an interview about something else, accidentally said Empire Strikes Back instead of Return of the Jedi, and we should at least question that. Instead yeah, of no, just wanting a million headlines that say this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen, because an actor said this while being interviewed about not even the project he's on, it's not a press yeah. release, it's this amazing actor, who I love with all my heart, who was exactly as you said, asked by an interviewer going, sorry, I got it. I know this isn't about Star Wars, but I'm going to try to get something out of you.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's no, real different than a press release. hundred This is why you and I generally say, we'll wait to something hits starwars.com for news. We'll have fun diving in and we are today, but yeah, no, i I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, and, and it brought up, I wouldn't say concerns the word with me, but just like, okay, interesting. Cause we're filling a lot of blanks right now. And that crossover event was probably been in planning for a little bit. Book of Boba Fett, uh, obviously, in planning and pre-production for a little bit. Uh, I'm sure at some point someone probably raised a hand and said, well, this happened, this happened, and we'll see. And I'm not, I'm not, this is not cynical. Uh, We'll see. I know, but that's in, it's been in the podcast conversation uh, headlines recently of uh, comics and books being maybe uh, overlooked for the, the live action stuff, which, uh, or even the animated uh, shows, which I I am at the end of the day okay with, because I I want those storytellers to still tell the story they want. But it would be interesting if Tomorrow right on any level, Joseph. If suddenly we're like, well, wow, we have two storyline B, storyline C of Boba Fett, which by the way I don't think would happen. That's 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 not what I'm really afraid of. But anyways, it just raises a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Yeah.
3: And maybe and maybe it is, uh, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, maybe there are some scenes that happen after Empire Strikes Back, but they're a flashback to a conversation Boba Fett once had with Maz Kanata. And it's not like, yeah. Yeah. here's his epic adventure in between that, uh, that the comics are doing. But yeah. the reason that I gravitate toward Return of the Jedi is that makes a ton of sense. Like,
4: yes. why the
3: Book of Boba Fett would need to cover things in between Empire and Jedi is, like, intriguing. Let's see where the story goes. Uh, but covering things that happen after Return of the Jedi up to uh, Boba Fett's appearance in Mandalorian season two, that seems absolutely vital yeah, in I terms know. of the storytelling. Right. It
4: really does. And getting that answer of what were you doing all that time when Cobb Vance is running around in your, your armor, which everyone asking, I think, with a, a fun spirit in their hearts. But, yeah, 100 percent. And, and it, it, especially if, if it is flashbacks, again, we don't. We don't really know. Joseph's right to point out that is just speaking off off the cuff here. But I, I, it's like my my. This is where my head went. Him just walking around the palace, going to a corner and flashing back to <laughs> events and return of the Jedi. Oh, I remember at a good party there. Oh, I had a nice meal there. Like, oh, I don't <laughs> like Bib Fortuna because he did this.
3: Yeah, I had a real nice uh, date with uh, with Weistal Sant, the yeah. backup singer. Yeah,
1: yeah,
3: um, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, absolutely uh, flashbacks to um you know did he know his armor was still on tatooine and and why did he choose to take it back now you know has he been working with bib uh what does he want out of sitting on that throne going forward and how is that informed by by what he did has he has he just been on tatooine kind of stranded this whole time all those things are kind of vital to understand where he's coming from and the other thing for me ken is we have seen it depicted in books and i you know. Certainly, lots of illustrations and all that. I would love to see on screen Fett bursting out of whatever's left of that Sarlacc, just yep. covered in acid and anger. I want that on
4: screen. Uh, that's exactly what I was going to bring up next. I almost want this series to start. I mean, again, this is why I'm not writing these series uh, at all. Um, but I almost would want it to begin with like a flashback to Boba, Boba Fett inside the Sarlacc, going, "Damn it! I just got tossed in here. <laughs> I get out!" Oh, from there. Imagine if it starts with a
3: a point of view shot from inside Fett's helmet of you know bouncing off, bouncing
4: off. <laughs> the sail barge and going into the gullet. Yeah, oh. the explosion happening, a bunch of weak, weak ways and Gamorian guards in there. Yeah, that'd be uh, that be some. Um, yeah, but 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 I w- I wouldn't mind. Speaking of that, like to finally get that canon answer. Now we've had it in other materials, legends, and whatnot. But to to get that canon answer and to have it on screen and 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 not not no disrespect, we just did the big Star Wars on the page conversation last week. No disrespect to the comics, but not having that in the comics, but having that on screen, uh, live action, especially with what they're the way they're be able to shoot these shows now. I, I I'd be excited to actually finally get that answer. Just here's how it happened.
3: Yeah. Absolutely, i I I would be surprised if that some version of that isn't isn't in yeah. the
4: film or the show. Uh, final tidbit from that he kind of uh, mentioned uh, Robert Rodriguez directing more than one episode of the series. Uh, it makes a lot of sense uh, him being brought in. His great work with uh, Mando season two. Just any thoughts on that? I wouldn't say big revelation, but something that uh, uh, is exciting for Boba Fett fans.
3: Yeah, that uh, behind the scenes uh, on Mando season two that's on Disney Plus. Uh, there's a lot of great stuff in that, but rodriguez was one of the revelations for me um yeah. you know showing how he had made basically his fan film with his action figures to show how how badass boba should be and how much energy he brought as an old school boba fett fan of yeah i have always wanted to see this i think rodriguez is such a great example of somebody who is both a creator and a fan and mm-hmm. it's paying off well and yeah. you know uh, I'm, I'm excited to see whatever you know new directors are involved but there's a part of me is like Yeah, I want to see Rodriguez, who's probably sat around and had these exact conversations that you and I have just been having about Boba Fett bursting from the Sarlacc. Like, give me the Rodriguez Mm on-screen version of Fett bursting from the Sarlacc.
4: Great. I'm I'm absolutely there for it. And yeah, uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, someone, yeah, back. uh, you and I are... Same age group, Joseph, just like him bursting on his, on the scene with El Mariachi and Desperado and everything when I was actually studying film and stuff back in the day. Like, he's always been up there. I've always been a fan in a way. I, you know, again, saw spy kids in the theater, but he just <laughs> is really uh, I, r- risen in the ranks, just the behind the scenes stuff, the shooting with the kids. Even on uh, uh, John Favreau's show, cooking the cauliflower crust pizzas and making five of them for Guillermo del Toro. I just really love uh, <laughs> the energy he brings and I'm, I'm more and more excited for this. Again, I you know I've said, I've said before, and I was saying, yeah, Boba Fett doesn't uh, doesn't always grab me. He has and hasn't over the over the last uh, few decades of being a Star Wars fan. I, I think I'm more excited than ever for just some of these big Boba Fett uh, answers, more questions, and and just information and entertainment. It's going to be fun.
3: Yeah, I, I continue to be thrilled uh, by his appearance because it's given me everything I want. It is absolutely like the thrill and fun of this. Uh, Badass bounty hunter in this incredibly cool armor, being an amazing fighter. And then it's also just really diving into all the different threads of his character and building depth. It is, you know, you get to have your Boba Fett cake and eat it, too. And I'm excited for that.
4: And not to mention a, a big old side serving fifth course, actually, of the meal with Fennec Shan being there as well. Who's a, yeah. A, more and more people are just really loving. So uh, we'll update you there on that final one of the day. Final thing here. This comes with, I'll, I'll put a, a, a rumor, spoiler alert, a wooga, a This is about Andor. Uh, this a uh, lot of rumors flying out some some were touching some were not and and, and Joseph and I just kind of and, and correct me if I'm wrong Joseph we just we try not to go for set leak photos we try not to go for anyone hiding in a parking structure or bushes uh, mm-hmm. getting shots um, so we're, we're we're skipping some of those ones today.
3: Yeah, I, I think that for me, there is a, uh, hey, I love it. My my favorite news to discuss is news that has been announced by Lucasfilm. Uh, mm-hmm. But then like, hey, an actor says something intriguing or an actor slips. Fair enough. Uh, and then I, I, I wrestle with uh, someone is actively out there trying to get information that the storytellers are trying uh, to keep hidden so that they can tell the story they want to. I, I kind of wrestle with that. Uh, yeah. So that's my uh, a reminder of my two cents on on some of those photos,
4: yeah, and look, every once in a while, one sneaks through, and there's a couple this past week that I saw, uh, whether I wanted to or not, I saw them and got me excited, and and that's part of the fun. I get it, but I, I'm with you too. The Grogu thing's glad that was kept secret. Uh, I'm still bitter that I saw Danny, uh, Daenerys Targaryen, and Jon Snow meet uh, first on a leaked set photo from season seven. Still bitter <laughs> about that one. Uh, but also, there's the humor side. You and I were talking off air. Remember, mm, I don't know 2014 range where we saw that set photo of Adam Driver in a X-wing uh, pilot costume. <laughs> okay. Don't know what happened there. (laughs) Um, So anyways, we're going to dive into this, but we want to give light spoiler alert uh, for Andor stuff. Stellan Skarsgård, he is in Andor. We know that. We don't know quite uh, what he's doing in it, Uh, but maybe we can start getting some clues. He was speaking with uh, Ser Virgis Radio. I know I said that wrong, but uh, speaking uh, in uh, his uh, native tongue, his native language, which uh, factors in the story, Joseph, about we're trying to translate it, and he just is kind of in a nice... uh, Safe spot speaking about Star Wars, and he mentioned he's at least uh, two, count them two important scenes with Forrest Whitaker as Saw Guerrera. Something we've talked about before, something we've wanted before, something we've speculated about before. So. Uh, again, is this a confirmation? Does was he on set with someone else and someone he thought it was Force Whitaker? I don't know. We're going <laughs> to take it uh, uh, not just with a grain of salt, salt, but we'll take it. It's from the source. It's from Selen Skarsgard, um, who, who I'm going to guess knew who he was in a scene with. Um, so let's start there, Joseph. Uh, what do you think about this news? Oh man,
3: a just really fun that we are we are translating uh, interviews into back into English to to get our sweet sweet Star Wars info. Uh, very fun, uh, and with uh, with actors who are like, "What? I can't say that. What? Huh? What? Yeah." Uh, anyway, uh, this is thrilling news, right? This is yeah. great. Uh, you and I are both huge fans of Saw Gerrera, so I, I think it's just absolutely great that he's back.
4: Love that he's back. I, I just have just become such a fan of this character. And I love the starting board clone, Clone Wars season five stuff, him and Steela Guerrero. Like it's powerful stuff. It's some of the best stuff on Clone Wars. I can't wait to you and I get it on the Clone Wars report. I would I'd love Forrest Whitaker in that role. I love him coming back for rebels. Uh, I love, uh we got him uh, back, uh, the, the character back in and bad batch for at least a bit. Love him and fallen. I just love the character. But the reason I love it is it's 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 a Lucas kind of created and handpicked character, right? Uh, and and it, it has a lot of Lucas in him. But the questions he asks, there's there's even recently Gary Whitta was who who wrote some of the Rebels episodes with him, was tweeting out some quotes from Guerrero, which are intriguing. They're tantalizing. They're they're juicy. Talking to Mon Mothma, the Empire considers all of us criminals. At least I act like one. And A lot of people are like, yeah, yeah. Which I am like, yeah, yeah. But then I can't ignore that he also rocket launched kids to death you know? Yep. And, and and what I just love, he represents so much, even in Fallen Order. His stuff in Fallen Order, if you play that level, it's great to have him there. His his partisans, the people around him are already kind of like, I don't know what Saw's doing. And I'm not saying, to me, it's not a right or wrong. It's just like, I love that he's there to ask these questions. And I I, I kind of felt we needed him for Andor, and I, I love that we might be getting that. Yeah, I think the
3: fact that he is a a Lucas character, right, is, mm. uh, there's definitely this interest from uh, Lucas, I think, uh, uh, it, starting with like the that Clone Wars era, and you know he was developed for that other live action show that didn't happen. Uh, but there's like this focus to dive deeper and and wrestle with some of the muddier uh, moral issues of Star Wars in general, of the Jedi, of war, of everything, right? Right. And so he becomes this really needed character. I think that's why people keep wanting to bring him back in because he's got this great perspective that we want to agree with him that he's this one character who has total clarity that this fight is worth having and in fact must happen there's Mm -hmm. no question there's no wringing of hands the empire is evil and they must be brought down uh but then he also continually offers this uh but i'm willing how far are we willing to go in that fight you know How we fight the battle matters. So he becomes this reflection of lots of Jedi thoughts of, Mm -hmm. you know, at times Jedi really accept violence, but it's also very important to them to ask, you know, what kind of violence or how is the violence happening and why is the violence happening? Uh, He's communicating to this conversation about the Clone Wars that, You know, were were the Jedi kind of half in, half out? Did they not go far enough to end the war? He is this great reflection of Anakin uh, in lots of ways, you know, Mm -hmm. physically, you know, losing, you know, uh, being covered in the scars of war, both emotional and physical. And this idea that you can lose your soul while you're fighting, even if you're fighting for something good and pure. Right. It's yeah. Just, just he, he is a fascinating character by himself, and then he's an entryway into looking at the morality of every other character around him.
4: Really, especially for Cassian and 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 what we see at the beginning of Rogue One, killing Tivik, and how that's, you know—the the stuff he says to Jin at the end of, of why he wants to be there and why it's all, all kind of needs to be be worth something uh, to to summarize. Probably badly, but I, I just yeah, it, it just makes a lot of sense for what I want this series to do. And again, I always have to check my own expectations. It's <laughs> just you know, and and I've said for years, for years, I've said it recently. So I apologize for repeating it. But it's, I love those nineteen years between episode three and episode four. It's just so rich for me, and the Jedi and all those kind of things. That whole thing I used to say often about the I like the the war over the Lord. That's what I mean. I, I, the pew 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 of it all is, is definitely there, but just. As we d- dug in more and more to what the fight was, what what the, my view of the rebellion was in 1983 as a seven year old, good guys, bad guys, <laughs> and 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 Star Wars is like, yeah, no, make a choice. There, there's two options there, but just how you get there, and how you raise an army, and how you have the Noah Jabels and all the people in Rogue One. I, I just, I just the possibilities are endless to really have some uh, tough, important conversations inside the Star Wars universe and, and without it through these characters. Yeah, and saw yeah. a lot of that. Yeah, no,
3: what you're really making me think of, too, is like, you know, Saw is a character that I think speaks to how much The Last Jedi is in sync mm-hmm. with the the questions that uh, Star Wars storytelling has, has always been raising, uh, going back to the creation of characters like Saw. You know, if you're talking about a question of how do you fight uh, a war and, and and keep your soul, mm-hmm. you know, that's what Rose's epiphany is about, right? Of that uh, we're going to save what we love, not fight what we hate. And, you know, that invites you to go back to Saw and so like, is he? is he saving anything or is he just hate the empire? And is that where he's, you know, getting yeah. out of step, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I cut you off. No, no, no. I, yeah. Please go for it.
4: No, I just did. I mean, rebel rising. I still, I, I even forget how much I love that book. If that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, Beth Revis's uh YA book of, uh, you know, younger gin and those years uh, filling in some of the blanks of that story. It's, it's good for a lot of those reasons. It makes gin just even more of a, a powerful character for me, but. Uh, the saw stuff is is fascinating there, and he, even because even the uh, the stuff with Infis showing up and Young Jen going, hey, he's gonna he's gonna he's he's gonna you know overlook you too, saw is too, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, he's not perfect, and I don't need him to be, and that's not the point of him, no, uh, uh, and I, I think it's just uh, it's juicy, juicy tantalizing uh, conversation starters.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And then just thinking about how he might interact with whatever Cassian is dealing with is really fascinating.
4: And and have Genevieve O'Reilly's mom, Mothma, back in the uh, Mothma versus Guerrero war that is always <laughs> happening is, is intriguing as well. Another thing came out of this, uh, kind of the rumor reel this week, Joseph, I don't necessarily want to talk about the rumor. I think there's a, even a kind of a silly nature to it as some of the rumors often are, but it got me thinking about something else. There was this idea floating around that uh, Men, Ben Mendelsohn could be back as... It's chronic. And at this point, it's like, great, you know, bring anyone, everyone back uh, from uh, even we get Sergeant Melshi might be back. that's just Rogue One, the prequel 2.0, whatever it is. Uh, I want to talk about that, too. But the rumor itself is kind of I I don't know. I'm not I'm not here to insult anyone. Uh, I just, you know, it's like, hey, he might be might be. Of course, he might be. Who knows? But it got me thinking about Andor being so directly tied to Rogue One which is a uh, when Andor got announced, I, I there was a lot of the conversation from a lot of Star Wars fans casual and, and not casual of like really not only do we know he dies, but really is this do, is this what we what we want And I think you and I have been on on the yeah train for a while. Yes, but this now this series is more and more directly tied to what we saw in Rogue One, which is interesting to me because Rogue One stature, not unlike Solo's stature has grown over the years, even though it made a ton of money and was well-received. I hear more often than not now, oh, Rogue One's my favorite of the new films. Yeah.
3: I mean, it is It is the one that I think, uh, even if people are kind of like, eh, this part doesn't work for me. Mm. It's not a lightning rod for negativity. It is more often a lightning
4: rod for excitement and joy. Yeah. Uh, well said. Yeah. Well said. You know, the, the, the nitpick, the nitpicks now, you know, you and I talk about eh, sometimes the second act doesn't pop for much of this. It's it's just it's not the same conversation. We can't deny that, um, nope. which is great. So and I love it because I think that movie, uh, you know, there's so many little tiny things to be appreciated in there, including Krennic. So do I want Krennic back? Yeah, I want the middle management prequel version of him. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Uh, sure. Uh, bring Krennic back—that's great by me. Uh, let Ben Mendelsohn uh, have an, another uh, bad business meeting with Darth Vader. I'd be thrilled. That would be great. Uh, the, 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 he's been to that castle before. That'd be great. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure about Krennic. I'm not at all concerned about it being too much of a prequel to Rogue One. I think it should be. To me, yeah. Uh, what has always been exciting about Andor is Rogue One tells this tip of the iceberg story mm. about Cassian and or of for years I have had to do things that I feel bad about in service of this greater cause and the things that I've done like shooting Tivik have been eating at me and building and building And my response is to make sure that it was all worth it uh, by backing Jen and going mm-hmm. to Scarif uh, but if you're starting from the point of this is a story of a rebel spy, <laughs> yeah. great espionage. Uh, having you know potentially things like I have to buddy up to someone that uh, and pretend to care about somebody I don't. I have to be violent when I don't want to be. All that stuff is incredibly emotionally compelling, and in order to tell that emotionally compelling story, yeah, you he's going to be dealing with the machinery that we're familiar with from Rogue One. He's a part of uh, the Rebel Alliance. And if yes. Melshi is at that time, great thrilled that Mon Mothma is going to be there. Thrilled, you know, uh, with Bale appearances. You know, if, if he's caught up in a am I okay with what I'm doing question, you know, is it great that maybe he didn't meet Saw, but this is all based on a mission Saw came up with and handed to Mon Mothma. Yeah. And, you know, are we going to get the story of that? All of it just sort of, all of it tracks of why these characters would be here. This does not at all feel like to me of like, uh, we got to throw in all our favorites from Rogue One. All of the characters that
4: that we think might be there make sense there. You know, to uh, go back to something I used to say often, uh, and many people would say often, but back in 2014, 2015, it's a it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Still maintain that great stuff, Joseph. Great thoughts on this. I am uh, I, uh, I, I, I there's no need to rank anything, but I am really excited for Andor. <laughs>
3: I am very excited for, for Andor because I continue to think that that people uh, who are, uh, you know, watch Mandalorian, they like Star Wars, but maybe they're not like all in, maybe they're not reading every tidbit. I think I think so many people are going to be so surprised by what Andor can be and blown away by it. That's my real hope and, and excitement. I can't wait for everybody to go,
4: holy bleep, this is amazing. This is good stuff. That's the hope. And that's, uh, as uh, Andor himself would say, it's, uh, it's all you need, just a good hope a uh, good TV shows are built on hope. <laughs> all right. So uh, well, that is a look at the news. Longer look this week, a lot of little tidbits to get to, and we didn't even touch on all the things there. A lot of other things floating around. We understand. So uh, thank you for letting us discuss these items. Uh, before we take a quick break, reset as always. We like to have a four center recommends an audio book. We think you should try out on us, Joseph. We're going to a different era.
3: That is right. Uh, We are once again recommending Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule. Not only do we uh, really love this novel, this story, it is the launching point of the High Republic. And it's really looking like you can follow uh, the, the big picture story by only getting some of the books. The next one, Rising Storm, is coming out so you could listen to Light of the Jedi. You could be all ready for Rising Storm, which is coming very soon.
4: To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we got wonderful questions to get to today on 4Center. Welcome back to Force Center, the 331st edition of the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, a back-to-tank of talk. (laughs) So wonderfully uh, coined the phrase uh, 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 earlier today, so uh, let's uh, let's uh, get into some wonderful questions from our four center friends today, Jason.
3: Yeah, we got uh, two questions from Twitter as always, and two questions from our patrons on Patreon. We're gonna go to Twitter first. Uh, first up, Brittany Lockwood. Uh, Brittany says. If an existing character were to have a secret or previously unknown sibling, whose sibling would you most want to meet? Mm. This is a great question. Uh, Star Wars certainly has a a history of siblings and surprise siblings. Uh, So great to think uh, what other sibling surprises might be out there in the galaxy. Where did your mind go, Ken? Did you have a knee-jerk reaction of this is the sibling I want to
4: see? so uh no I didn't and uh, I was like uh do I do silly do I do you know Dexter Jetster sister uh, Judy Jetster like what do I do what do I do <laughs> and I'm sitting around here and in, in my studio here and I was trying to you know sometimes I'll go off the cuff and like what does my heart tell me And other times I just want to have something and I looked up and I have um, a, 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 a listener supporter uh Trey Thompson uh, aka definitely not Trey on YouTube had sent me a while ago a Mighty mug, those uh, the precursor to Funko Bops. he sent me one, and it and it it's Grand Moff Tarkin, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, that's the answer. I want Tarkin to have a sister that left the family, left the <laughs> name, left Ido uh, or Iridu, excuse me, um, and and fought, like just fought against that family and that that culture of vibe. There got that kind of that power is victory mindset. Domination is the only way to survive and win the Tarkin thing. And how maybe just when the galaxy became a spiritual figure, I'm not saying like a Star Wars version of a nun, but that's not a, unlike what I'm thinking of, just a spiritual figure helping the hurt souls of the galaxy. Almost like, you know, I'm sorry, my family and my brother's doing this. <laughs> I love justice for Tarkins. Uh yeah, uh, yeah, and I
3: don't remember all the details of uh, of, of Tarkin's uh, backstory in the in the Tarkin book. I remember the broad strokes, uh, but yeah. even even if a sister isn't mentioned, I love the idea that there could be a sister who
4: yeah. split off. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get yeah. I don't know. The, I didn't have uh, time to look up the family line, but yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. You you got my spirit of it. Of just like, boom, oh, this one here. It's a prominent character. You know.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, I, my mind went uh, to three places. Uh, one of them was knee-jerk. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
3: And my, my response to many things is, uh, is of course, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Big sure. big fan of the character, and there's a, a lot of uh, talk about him, so sometimes you could ask me, uh, like, what's your favorite season? And I might blurt out, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, yeah. But I'll say this. I would say for well-known characters having a previously unknown sibling, Kenobi or even Mace having a sister that they just didn't know about because their parents had more kids after they joined the Jedi order, like right. meeting the sibling of a Jedi who yeah. either just didn't, was not born with the uh, force powers, even though their sibling was right. or did have the powers, but didn't end up with the Jedi. didn't ever train f- for whatever reason to see that perspective on what, what does a family member think about, you know, uh, a sibling they never knew because they got, you know uh, brought into the Jedi Order when they were incredibly young that's right. kind of a fascinating perspective that we haven't got to see.
4: I like this idea
3: can we get a yeah. picture on this uh, and then the other one for me, which is actually sort of uh, implied as a possibility of future storytelling is uh Jana or even Finn's families you know it's a uh, mm. one of my favorite beats in in Rise of Skywalker where uh, Lando very kindly says you know to Janna, about not knowing really where she's from, mm-hmm. which would also imply not knowing her her true family, if she has one, uh, in terms of siblings, of, you mm-hmm. know, let's go find out. And this idea, that one line is just, it's so kind, mm-hmm. uh, and it's so powerful about connection, which so much about Rise of Skywalker is about connection. But it's also just suggests that, like, uh, yeah, look. The first order did this awful thing of of taking people from their homes. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a thing that we need to be doing now is reconnecting as, as many surviving members of the first order with uh with their true families. That mm. that's an interesting story to be told.
4: I uh, love that the healing that would be found in storylines like that. Great.
3: Yeah, and then my final jokey answer is the Bendu. Yeah, <laughs> give me <laughs> give me the Bendu's uh you know uh sister Sendu. Sure.
4: Yeah. I love that. It's great.
3: Yeah, it'd be great fun. Great fun. Great question, uh, Brittany, and lots to be explored there. Mm-hmm. Surprise siblings—a grand tradition of Star Wars. We're going to move on to a question from Stephen M. Uh, Stephen asks: uh, What happened to the wounded clones during and after the Clone Wars? If they were just wounded enough to not be able to fight, but still alive, were they kept somewhere to live out the rest of their lives, or were they sent out into the galaxy to make their own way? Uh, Ken, what do you think about this, about wounded clones who are not in the war anymore?
4: This is an uh, intriguing question. Uh, One of those fun, kind of realistic, logistic questions. It also made me think of uh, therapy Ewoks and Aftermath, which is a time, different era. But also, what it made me think about that is how the New Republic maybe would deal with this issue and and rebel soldiers who were uh, injured and and, uh, how uh, the Empire would probably deal with it. A little different. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no. Where'd you go? Uh, my idea was uh, if if it was pre the the fall of the Republic, uh, I, I would imagine there would be um, kind of a, a transition program, a uh, finding work or duties to serve the greater good on Camino still. I mean, 99 comes to mind. Just, I, I don't think they'd... Uh, you know, leave a clone behind, so to speak, to to make it sound like a bumper sticker catchphrase. But just, I think it would it would have been dealt with right. So the idea that um, there might be clones out there who uh, did injure out or uh, no longer service, and 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 what would have happened to their chips too, and all those kind of things. And what do you do? As I think we're dealing with a bad batch. What do you do when that that chip goes off, and there aren't necessarily Jedi around or other soldiers around? What would happen then? It's it's kind of a serious tone, serious question. But I think there's some of that there, post fall, immediate. You know, I, I I don't have um I don't have high hopes for the survival of those injured clones. To be frank, to be honest,
3: yeah, we, we are working in the the same ballpark of yeah. thought. Um, you know, there's so much in the early parts of the Clone Wars animated show, in particular, about how much wounded clones were cared for. There's you know yeah. we see. Hospital stations. There's uh, stakes at different times where um, that's about medical supplies to uh, wounded clones. that The idea that clones are wounded and we need to help them is very present in the early uh, mm-hmm. Clone Wars animated series. And that, to me, speaks that you know the Republic is you know uh, trying to help the clones, taking responsibility for the clones. So I feel like during the actual Clone Wars, when the Republic is still basically functioning, that yeah, there's some program for. Uh, if we can't get you uh, back out and fighting, then you go back to Camino and you do d- data entry about the war, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, or I don't think they get would cut, get cut loose to the galaxy. I think they would still be in service of the Republic, but just not in a combat oriented way. Um, I think during the Empire. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any nice retirement. Uh, and I kind I, I know that we've we continue to see clones in some of the comic books with uh with Vader in particular mm-hmm. um that Charles Soul run that happens pretty quickly after uh Revenge of the Sith um but I kind of hope depending on how that all the timeline shakes out that bad batch can get into exactly this of mm-hmm. what ultimately happens to the clones not just the wounded ones but all of them of yeah is is the story that the empire does just phase them out or Is the story at some point where they're wiped out? Because yeah, that's a possibility.
4: Well, because yeah, even you saying "Eh, does the empire phase them out? Like, oh, you know that term does not have (laughs) good connotation in the empire.
3: Right. If, if Darth Sidious said to you, I'm going to phase you out, you would know that's a horrible thing is going to happen
4: to you. That's a big giant gulp. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, Rex touched, touched upon in this last episode, there's others out there type of thing. And, uh, you know, even inferring that not every clone's chip maybe went off or they had the same, same reaction. You know, there's some questions that that we might get in. I I would love to see that. Uh, Cutler Quain's a great example but like he was already out, you know, and 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 that was a different story. So it'd have that kind of different, um, different kind of take on that would be interesting.
3: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, in Rex and obviously, Gregor and Wolf we know survive, but we don't know exactly how. Did they did right. they escape the clone purge? Uh, I think is. Uh, a fun question, hmm. <laughs> intriguing. I'll go with intriguing. Uh, but great question about uh, about the clone, Stephen M. Thank you very much. Uh, any
4: other thoughts on that one before we move on, Ken? No, that's a that's a that's a like I said, realistic, logistic kind of based question. But I love that kind of stuff. Love it, too. Uh, So we're going to go to uh, patrons on Patreon. This comes to
3: us from Chris Lentz. Chris uh, shares some background thoughts uh, in this question, so it's a little bit of a longer one, as we encourage and welcome uh, from our patrons. So here we go, Ken. Mm. Uh, Chris says, One of my favorite scenes in the saga is in the most lambasted film, uh, the Coruscant sports bar scene at the beginning of Attack of the Clones. Maybe it's not a sports bar. Seems to be way too many attractive people there for a sports bar. But while Anakin and Obi-Wan are looking around for Zam Wessel, you get flashes of what's on the the television, the space television. Uh, We see pod racing, some droid form of football, and Probably a few others. Uh, Chris says, I've long dreamed of a piece of Star Wars in world journalism by Clegg Holdfast of Pod Racing Quarterly, <laughs> where he visits a few different sports bars or whatever he'd call such an establishment, to uh, think Jack Buck, Rick Riley, or long form Buster Olney. Mm. Uh, but that brings up the question what do you think different sports fans' establishments would look like in the galaxy? I think it's pretty clear. Uh, Chalmans is more of a gruff, anti establishment crowd. I'm more interested in the joint where the spaceball game is about to kick off on one screen. A swoop bike race is on. Another in the Duros next to me is annoyed that they don't carry his favorite domestic. What's that place look like? Uh, what do you hope the establishments for sports lovers in in space contain? And what are your thoughts on space ports or space sports in general? So a lot of good questions. A lot of good and funny reflection on. Yeah. Sports and sports bars in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wanted to kick this one off, Ken, about um, some of these questions we discussed. Not all of them and not uh, the real specific sports element. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I wanted to give a plug for our bar crawl episode of the deep dive where we kind of went through a lot of the bars and discussed some of these really fun questions of what is the earth comparison? What kind of bar is this? Yeah. <laughs> would it would it carry your favorite domestics or would it be a snootier place or all those kind of things? Uh, we dive into that and uh, in the kind of strange sports, but also hip uh, after work uh, yeah. before a show vibe of the Outlander Club. Yeah. Uh, you can check out some of those thoughts on the bar crawl episode. But where do you go with this, Ken? Uh, sports in Star Wars? Yeah. What you want a good sports bar in Star Wars to look like? What are your thoughts there? Man, I have
4: a ton of thoughts. This is a great question, and yeah, uh, I uh, being a, a sports fan myself, it, it, it uh, some great stuff here, Chris. And first of all, I, you know, a sports bar and too many attractive people to be in there for a sports bar. I, yeah, L. A. is a little different. I'll just say I don't feel <laughs> at home in a lot of sports bars in L. A. Um, this is a great. Yes, stuff. I not, not a huge
3: uh, sports fan, but I've been in <laughs> sports bars in Los Angeles and sports bars in Wisconsin, and there there's some different vibes.
4: There's some. True, true words Never been spoken um, And also I will say Long form Buster Olney I recommend the book The Last Night of the Yankee Dynasty By Buster Olney Great one And Jack Buck One of my like Great Jack Buck One of my favorite announcers We'll see you tomorrow night uh, So here we go um, Let me dive into this here uh, First of all Chalman's I used to live around the corner From Chalman's As a NFL uh, Affiliated sports bar
1: <laughs> I it, it was
4: I think it's like Starlight Or something like that This is my old house and I And I went in there once And was like yeah, this ain't for me. Um, I, I like a little bit more the Outlander Club vibe uh, in my sport. I like a little Dave and Busters. Play some, uh, you know, ski ball, or get some uh, gift cards, and watch some baseball on the TV. So I, I think that's what I, I – the Outlander Club, uh, even Canto Bite, for better or worse, and there's a lot of worse maybe hidden in that. I feel – I love the lesson that Rose has for all of us maybe in the moment, but I, I, I was just watching Last Jedi this weekend for our main show. I feel Finn when he walks in, when he's all like, Whoa. wow, you know, Joseph, you've been with me in Vegas. I'm like, we got to go to the wind today. We got to, I, I got to step into the wind today. Um, so I'm feeling a lot of that there. I'd love to see that. I loved, I'd love to see it. Maybe I think you can do it more in like a Mando show. Uh, I don't want to say Andor. I don't think that's maybe the spot for it, but I, I think there's a, there's these these programs, even Bad Batch could, could dive into just what it actually is. Do they follow sports? Who's a fan? We know the clique hold fast podracing quarterly. That's a great poll. And everyone's heard me talk about that. I would love a ESPN 30 for 30 style look at pod racing. Who are the fans? Anakin seems to be a fan. <laughs> He's, got <laughs> He's got a poster who, who I'd lo- You could work it in in a way that doesn't stand out. That's not um, that fits into the world. That's not super silly. I think you could mm-hmm. potentially be silly with it, but be like uh, our two. I don't necessarily know if it's members of the Bad Batch, but our two uh, clone troopers. Some at some point talk. uh you, you see, uh, Quagrineros got eliminated in the race yesterday. That stuff could really work and 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 not feel out of place. So I know I'm rambling. I'm excited. I'm talking about sports and Star Wars. Uh, I think a lot. There's a lot there to what Chris is saying here.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I think both the sports in Star Wars are, are interesting and I think really worth exploring more. It is, mm-hmm. that's such a great tip of the iceberg scene in uh, in Attack of the Clones where you see all the different sports on the space TVs and so you know that people are watching these sports, betting on these sports, invested on them, that they are uh, galactic as well as local, right? Yeah, It's one of the big things for me of like, we get that picture of, uh, yeah, pod racing's a big event on Tatooine, uh, mm-hmm. but this idea that it's being things like that are being broadcast out to the galaxy and there's, so there's, you know, mm. galactic interest. So great. Um, mm. For 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 me, I have two thoughts. In terms of seeing more sporting events in Star Wars, beyond those television snippets, mm. I feel like we see a lot of racing of different kinds yeah, and a decent amount of, like, kind of, you know, arena fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, mm-hmm. the Gamorrean Guard underground wrestling ring, right? right. Ultimate Gamorrean fighter <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we yeah. saw there. I would love to see more of football, basketball, hockey, anything that's kind of like a match, you know, uh, a sport. And I do not mean this is an insult at all, but the kind of sports that is uh, two teams competing to put a thing in another thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That has like a little bit more formal rules. And what's that like in Star Wars? Of if you strip it back and it really is like the it, one team on this side, the other team on this side, and then they both compete to put the thing in the thing on the other yeah. person's side in it. But it's weird and it's Star Wars and it involves aliens and technology mm. that we can't imagine. Yeah. I'd love to see that.
4: I Look, tell you what, I, I, a place where you could really develop it is, is High Republic era where you could take time with it, where it's new and and maybe it fades away. Maybe it's something we don't know by the original trilogy or whatever. It doesn't matter to me, but like like, like Quidditch is is the ultimate example of an in-world in-story sport that makes sense. makes sense for what's going on. You can get behind it. You can almost root for it in your own way as a fan out of the sport. People would debate you on whether it makes sense as a sport, but beyond that, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I I just remember going to uh, uh, LA Comic Con and watching a live action version in front of me with people (laughs) walking around with rooms between the legs it was i'm not making fun it was <laughs> it was like my first convention ever when i was just kind of really truly emerging into this nerd world after being hidden for so long and i was just like this is i'm watching t- 10 20 whatever the rules are <laughs> people play quidditch at a, at a convention hall. Um, yeah yeah no no but you know where it's just like it, it, it doesn't uh it's not poking fun at either any side of the, of the conversation but just makes sense and i think high republic now think about it you could really dive into that
3: yeah, absolutely. And and I would love that. That would be great to get almost, yeah, that, that level of detail and uh, hmm. impact yeah. on the rest of the world that Quidditch has would well, be really, really cool.
4: Because if you got Starlight Beacon and you want, whoever's on the Starlight Beacon, you want a sense of normalcy and, and connecting the galaxy and, you know, uh, space. Sports is a way to do that uh you know right uh, you know cricket I was having, I was on my stream the other day having a conversation about cricket a, por- a sport I'm very familiar with from afar but don't know intimately uh, I was even asking uh, one of my uh, uh, Andrew Cook a listener from New Zealand I was just like if I go to a cricket match what's the food there I know I know I get hot hot dogs crackjacks, and a beer at the ball game here at LA but what do I what do I expect there it's an interesting just kind of cultural conversation eh, you could bring that to Star Wars yeah, absolutely. I'd,
3: I love the high Republic uh, mm-hmm. and who knows, maybe it is in books that are going to be coming to yeah. our homes very soon that yeah, yeah because it, sports is so many things, but one of the big things is it's, it's sharing culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything from the actual sport to how fandom works to mm-hmm. yeah. What do you eat when you're watching it? I love that. Yeah. Um, the, I, in, in terms of the specific question about like what other kind of sports bars uh, mm-hmm. for myself, you know, I've spent some some time in the UK. I'd love to see like a a real British, Scottish, Irish pub. Mm-hmm. I know there are differences between all those, but in general, that vibe of it's been there for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, wood. It feels really warm. Maybe there are you know some rooms upstairs. Uh, it, it there's a, a neighborhood feel there's some weird space starts but then there's also this you know uh, other room where just a bunch of people are gathered just to watch yeah you know the game and a thing that uh, is it, like really culturally interesting and fun in Los Angeles and, and many other places but I speak of Los Angeles because it's what I know of like there are those those British pubs where people gather at odd hours mm. uh, to watch soccer right or yeah. football yeah um because that's when you can watch it. And that would be a really interesting scene to me of like if somebody's on like one planet, if you're like you're on Corellia. Yeah. But you're but you're a big fan of uh, Malastare sports. Yeah. So you got to go to this weird uh, Corellia pub that has a Malastare flavor <laughs> in the middle of the night to watch the Malastare match. Like, that right. That sounds really fun to
4: me. That's great. I love that idea. Yeah. Good pubs are great. Areas. And you may be, cause you talked about darts in uh aunt Z's bar in resistance. There's some kind of bar, like sports going on there, right? Gosh. Yeah. And yeah. there's some like, like you were pointing out, there's some like video game kind of
3: business going on at SIDS and band batch. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The
4: clone, uh, the battle droid slot, uh, uh, yeah. Slot machine video slot machine. machine. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. I, but I, You may be thinking this is unrelated. There's a documentary, I think it was on Netflix, just about Irish pubs. And I watched it, and it was one of the most fascinating, um, uh, in depth, and boring documentaries I've ever watched. And I loved (laughs) every minute because it really was just like, and now here's this pub. (laughs) And now here's this pub. (laughs) Check it out if you guys are a fan of Irish pubs.
3: Yeah, go down to your local. That that would be wonderful. Uh, any other thoughts on on uh, that uh, big topic of
4: space sports and Star Wars? Yeah, not not much. I we've talked about this stuff before, but I the 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 crazy caffeine fueled passion pouring out of my uh, soul right now about sports and Star Wars. I didn't realize it was maybe as there as much as uh, I thought. So thank you, Chris, for that question.
3: Yeah, great, great question. Uh, here we go to our final question from Garrett McDowell. Uh, Garrett says, hello, four Center friends. Hello, Garrett. Hi, uh, hi. I recently just graduated from college. Woohoo! Uh, but in one of my final classes, we discussed the definitions of the two basic human needs. Being a lifelong Star Wars fan, obviously the galaxy far, far away was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, firstly, one of the two basic human needs is to join with others in a cooperative effort to achieve something great. Secondly, it is to be a unique and separate individual who is valued and respected in one's own right. For myself, one character where this concept is particularly evident is Anakin. Mm. Given those two needs, what other characters do you feel most experience this journey? Uh, Thanks for all the great content, guys. Cheers. Cheers to you, Garrett, and congrats on the college graduation. Ken, uh, this is great. Uh, Great question. A Great uh, life perspective to think about. Yeah, Where does your mind go? Who do you go to?
4: Uh, Well, first of all, I'll go to Garrett. Congratulations. I've known Garrett for a few years. This is a question I kind of knew was coming, uh, and uh, you know, uh, I love that the Force willed that uh, it ended up in this episode. I actually met Garrett at some conventions years ago. So congratulations on that college journey, Garrett. uh, Big Star Wars fan indeed. So this one, I I went to two... uh, There's possibly a lot of answers, but I I focused on two. It's uh, characters that we talk about a lot here, and I think for good reason because they represent things like this. So I went, I I went right for the big one, Joseph uh, Leia. Hmm. I went to Leia because I see this as personal, especially Leia, princess of Alderaan really put this in focus for me, just this personal desire to, to help and and to use her status, her resources all driven by her heart. And then that really goes beyond once she learns kind of maybe more truth about her, her, her parents and what they're involved in and those dinner parties, what they really are. she, Takes it all and plugs into the, the bigger picture. So she truly establishes wants to establish her own identity uh, and and how she helps and what she's trying to do and what she's trying to accomplish. And then just immediately takes that and wants to put it in the big picture.
3: Yeah, no, I think that's great. Uh, I think Leia's a a great great uh, character uh, to to really pull out these ideas because even just in the original trilogy and those books are so great. Uh, Leia, Princess Aldron, and Bloodline. Uh, but even in the original trilogy, mm-hmm. she is somebody who is absolutely committed to uh, the kind of the first part of that, of mm-hmm. being in a cooperative effort to achieve something great uh, and almost to the point of not allowing herself to be a unique and separate individual. Right. That yeah. I think that's so much her story of uh, falling in love with Han is being honest that she needs to be fulfilled as an individual
4: as well. Right. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Great stuff. And by the way, all of this, not unlike Padme. Right? Yes. <laughs> that And, and Padme could, could be an answer as well. The other one I went to, then I'll kick it back to you here, is uh, Infant's Nest. We talk about Infant's Nest a lot. We don't get a lot of time with her and we want more time with Info's Nest as a character. Uh, she knows who she is to me and and she knows where she comes from. She is honoring where she comes from, her her story and her legacy, her family's legacy, her mother's legacy. On the legacy that we we believe she's uh, passing on and will pass on, you know, it, it, she knows where she comes from. It's very unique and individual experience, but then she puts that all on the line to help so many who are not like ourselves, uh, herself in the, in the details, but herself in in, in, uh, in the suffering that they're all going through. And to me that's someone who is very much, you know who she is. Um, and, and you also know where she wants to go with her causes and, and her purpose.
3: I think that's great. Yeah. Somebody who is very clear of their, their definition of of who they are and why they're doing what they're doing uh mm-hmm. and then yeah wanting to expand that from that individual perspective to a larger group perspective is uh, that's pretty much what emphasis nest is doing <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah uh yeah i really love this because it, it's a, a big part of star wars that i think is is really important and i think it's one that i get a lot of um uh, joy in and sometimes uh, one of those moments where Star Wars kind of helps me uh, reframe thinking about the, you know the real world or my own life this idea that um, there's so much in Star Wars that is about the individual it is about well these choices have been laid before you only you can decide uh, your destiny no one can choose it for you you can pick a million lines yeah in Star Wars that are about an individual making the choices that define themselves. Uh, so there's a lot that celebrates the need for the individual to know and understand and be at peace with themselves. But then Star Wars is also so much about society and community and being selfless and doing things for the greater good and the, you know found family and the idea that everyone has value in the people that you might look down on like Jar Jar or the Gungans or the Ewoks like that or Dio like everyone has value and you know so much in Rise of Skywalker being about when we all band together that's when we can really make a difference so Star Wars has these these twin poles of you gotta know who you are but then you also gotta uh, value and contribute to the group too Mm. and for me I, I think this question when i read it i was thrilled because like this is ray for me Mm. this is what i think is unique and important about ray's journey is i think this is is there for many many characters but i think in some ways the focus on on this uh group uh thought versus the individual thought is is a lot of what defines ray's journey because when we meet ray um she she can already take care of herself. She can stand on her own two feet and get things done, right? Mm-hmm. And what she wants is connection and belonging. She wants that first part, right? She wants to connect to a group and be a part of a group. Um, and so a lot of her her journey is about finding and realizing connection. Mm. But then she also really explicitly needs to figure out her. Uh, identity right right uh, because she has this power and she doesn't know what to do with it uh, and then she's offered all of these other people telling her who she should be you know um, that she's defined by being no one she's defined by being a Palpatine you know she's defined by letting Luke, Han, and Leia just tell her who to be and Rise of Skywalker is, is about her dealing with that individual part mm while also achieving this goal that she's had to be a part of something larger than herself. So it really, really, her journey really celebrates that both things are important. It is incredibly important to decide for yourself who you want to be so you can feel complete and valued as an individual. Uh, but then as individuals, it is it is a strength to want connection and belonging and to long to be a part of something larger than yourself as well.
4: Uh, So wait, you're telling me I shouldn't be a bearded grump on an island?
3: (laughs) Uh, Look, uh, as somebody who actually does have a beard and was grumpy just earlier today, (laughs) I understand the temptation. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The individual is important. The group is important. And I love that Garrett's question really, really focused on that.
4: No, it's great stuff. And yeah, the Ray Ray thing, uh, beautiful as always, Joseph. But just like why, uh, you know, you, you've always yourself said you want to grow up to be like Ray, and it's uh, just why I keep revisiting that story uh, and, and and just revisiting some of the moments with Luke and Last Jedi, in inside the Unetti tree that that scene. Uh, it's one of my, it's one of my becoming maybe one of my more favorite Star Wars scenes that I hadn't uh, always focused on before. Just her, just the him, like. Who are you? You know, where are you from? Nowhere. Uh, Jakku. It's a great scene for a lot of different reasons, but focusing on her, Ray, Daisy's choices in that scene, uh, it factors in a lot of what you're talking about. I love it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh so great great question uh Garrett. Any other thoughts Ken?
4: No, great stuff Garrett. You're uh, in the real world now. I don't know I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the
3: party. Yes. Yes. Beyond the twin sons out into adventure. Uh Garrett, uh Chris, Stephen and Britney, thank you for all the great questions. Uh, that's it for the questions, Ken.
4: Absolutely. That's it for us this week. Great stuff. A bigger news section, a lot to look at and get excited for in Star Wars. And that's why we're here celebrating Star Wars from the center of the galaxy. A back to tank of Star Wars talk. That's what we do here. Printed on a T-shirt. We could be found on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram, YouTube as well. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcasts available on Anchor. Heart Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. You can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, thank you so much for those that support us over there. You can follow me at KatNapsok or go to katnapsok.com. Check uh, me out over at the Good People Association as well at the GPA.fum. We do a lot of charity work over there and some of that's been... uh uh, bleeding into uh, the things we talk about here in Force Center, Joseph and I always like to highlight groups and organizations from uh, the real world that we love to connect with and plug as well. And uh, because of that, I'm highlighting the Trevor Project, which is something uh, that uh, we're working with right now over there. Check out the Trevor Project uh, at thetrevorproject.org. Uh, really focusing on helping the LGBTQ plus youth uh, who, quite frankly, uh, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, still needs the support, needs to help. It's uh, always getting better, but we're not at the finish line yet. In fact, I don't think we'll ever be the finish line. So plug in with them. Uh, It's a great group to support at thetrevorproject.org. Joseph, what's going on for you?
3: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, TikTok in particular, I'm having some uh, fun with uh, my Star Wars adventures, with uh, doing some little videos about all my action figures. And it's so, just great so to spend some quality time with my action figures. So thanks for everyone who has uh, uh, been watching those and engaging with those. So all the social media, my handle is at Joseph Scrimshaw. If you're interested in any of my other comedy adventures, albums, uh, future shows, other podcasts, that's all on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, and the thing I would like to plug is a uh, project called Vote Forward. Their website is votefwd.org, and it is a place where you can sign up to write personalized letters just to encourage people to use their power and get out and vote. Uh, I believe they have a new project coming soon, so if that sounds like the kind of thing you might be interested in, you can check out their website. Again, That's votefwd.org.
4: Great stuff indeed. Fun, full episode. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time here on Forsen.